Listener Production. Barely brown one side and burnt to a crisp on the other. Oh, it drives me mad. Fresh from the uneven toaster of life. It's Matt and Alex all day breakfast. Oh, happy Tuesday to you. I am Alex. That is Matt. And Matt, I'm surprised. I mean, you're not getting the Hollywood roles, but I thought you'd at least get the Hollywood invite to the Oscars. Oh man, I didn't even get one of the breakfast, one of the Oscars luncheons that gets uh, <laughs> dallied around. I mean, I've been to a Channel Nine one, of, you know, before, yeah. next to some big cats from Doctor Doctor and you know, McLeod's daughters. But this year, I was just by myself in the lounge room. Well, you missed the action. Uh, Chris Marsh, movie fanatic, joining us. Did you watch the ceremony, mate? Uh, I have not. I've been in meetings all day, but I have looked at some of the news that has come out of it. Um, Ended in a very interesting way. (laughs) Oh, as in read out the wrong um, winner. So many years. We have always ended with best picture. Best picture is the final Oscar, even when they try to give it to the wrong people. It is the final (laughs) Oscar, right? And that controversy a few years ago, they they were like. There was talk about, do they know who the winners are? Well, I think they've confirmed this year that the Academy doesn't know who the winners are. Only the uh, the awkward accountants that hold that briefcase for five seconds on stage know who the winners are because they tried to orchestrate the ceremony to end on a nice moment where they clearly thought the late Chadwick Boseman was going to win Best Actor and be awarded a posthumous Oscar. Wow. So they orchestrated... Best actor in a leading role to be last. Instead of best film. Instead of best picture, they changed the order. And this is what happened. Academy Award for actor goes to Anthony Hopkins, The Father. (laughs) The Academy congratulates Anthony Hopkins and accepts the Oscar on his behalf. Thank you. Not there. Good night. That's it. Thanks for coming. <laughs> and then the final music wow. starts playing and away we go. And that's the end of the Oscars for 2021. What a huge Oscars. Massive. Well, um, That's a shame. Wow, that's very Orkies. But um, anyways. Well, anyway, Nomadland taking out a couple. It won Best Picture and Frances McDormand won Best Actress in a Leading Role. Um, the interesting one there being she was the only actress in that movie. Uh, all of the other players in the film were... Non-actors just found on location and shot along with her. And Chloe Zhao winning the Best Director, second woman in history in 90-ish years to uh, take that one out. Which is awesome. 16 of the 23 competitive categories going to women. Uh, Oscars Roundup, uh, which is good stuff. Thank you very much, Marshy, for a little uh, update on (laughs) that one. We're going to jump into the show, Matt O'Kine, because we've got a big, big announcement, which we have kind of teased out a little bit to uh, kick things off with. Yeah, that's right. Who would have thought that around about this time a year ago we kicked things off? So let's get stuck into some celebrations, hey? It's not just the actors that are getting the uh, the parties going. Have the big annual ceremonies. It is all day breakfast. Let's get stuck in. <laughs> Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Yes, Matt, it would have been about a year and nine months ago where you and I got together. I think we both had a glint in our eye that night. Um, We started a process, a gestation process, which nine months later became the very first episode of Matt and Alex All Day 
breakfast. Man, I remember walking through the main streets of Sydney. It was like a ghost town. It was so quiet. And I was like, every single door handle I touched, I was like furiously anti-backing <laughs> afterwards. I was like, this this virus could be anywhere. I was so scared. I'd barely ventured out of my house. Mm. But I did make my way into the office on that on that morning for us to create history. Let's see it. The daily on-demand breakfast radio show that you know, now know and love is turning one year old next week, officially. Uh, and it's been, oh, I mean, the days, the days have just gone so quickly, Matt. I mean, we've had Woods is the Goods. That story came out in episode I number to, two. I tried to buy some of the moon. <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, going back into six. I remember interviewing Mel C, the Spice Girl, from my front bedroom in lockdown <laughs> two in Melbourne. Just walking back out of the kitchen in my trackies, like, oh yeah, Mel C says good day. <laughs> <laughs> it's we've been through a wild ride, and we've gotten so many great messages from you as well. So many great phone calls, so many great uh, Instagram posts, comments, Memes. tweets. At memes, rat, at so many memes. good memes. Whole accounts dedicated to memes on this show. Um, we've had such a wild ride, and so we thought, you know, and they say, Alex Dyson, when you have a kid, they just say, oh, watch out. They grow up so fast. Mm. And you think, no, my sweet little baby is always going to be tiny and precious and cute. Next thing you know, it's telling you to piss off and steal in the car keys. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're not quite that stage. We're just at the learning word stage at the moment. Uh, learning the word squirmies uh, was one of our first. <laughs> I think that was our first word. But um, <laughs> we wanted to celebrate. It is a year since it began and we wanted to celebrate and we wanted to celebrate with the people who make this show what it is, i.e. you listening. And so that's why we're very, very happy to announce that next week, Wednesday night, it is the very first Matt and Alex live show. Yeah, that is right. On Wednesday, the 5th of May at 7pm, we are going to be hosting a little bit of a live party, a live party for you. If you can squeeze through the doors of Comedy Republic, which is at 231 at Burke Street, Alex Dyson's venue. Luckily, we knew someone who had a, had a space we could do this <laughs> in a COVID-safe <laughs> manner. And um, so, yeah, upstairs at Comedy Republic, you will be able to join us, celebrate a year of memories of the All Day Breakfast podcast. I'm excited. I, look, we've only been in the same room once, Alex Dyson, let alone... I mean, we're actually going to be in the same room, not just with you, but with... Brian will be there, Marshy. I've never met I've never met, met these guys in my <laughs> life yet. Isn't that weird? You can watch a grown man meet his <laughs> colleagues. Uh... So come along. It's uh, going to be good fun times. It will be recorded as our one-year anniversary podcast, which if you can't make it to Melbourne next Wednesday the 5th, you'll be able to hear it on Friday. It's going to be our Friday show, the one-year anniversary party. It'll be a bit bit longer than our usual. Um, yeah, and there'll be some, we won't just be us as well in our robes. There'll be some special guests there that you, you might get. There'll be a chance to win yourself a robe or two. Yep. Uh, we're going to have some, a little bit of... Well, a little bit of a performance, let's say. And look, I did take my decks into Comedy Republic the other week and um, my USB's there. It does have our rave set on there. So if things, you know, oh. escalate, I'm just saying if things escalate. Really? Just be careful. We're going to lock the door. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. But it's 18 bucks. Come along. Have a bev. 
have some banter, and uh, it should be a whole heap of fun, I reckon, Matt. And in the lead up, we're gonna we've got to organise a couple of things for the live show because we want you to come along. We've got some spots on the door, so potentially you can win a spot to come along if you can help us out with a few things. Uh, but other than that, jump on through our Instagram or on the Comedy Republic website right now. Get your tickets; they are limited. So if you want to see history being made uh, in the flesh, please come along. It should be a good fun party. Happy birthday to us. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Now I feel a buzz. Now on to more important issues than Matt O'Kine. And that is something that can get us fired up enough that an N descends from the heavens and places itself between the A and the T in my name and uh, turns me into rant dog, okay? Have you got a call up yet? For 2GB? <laughs> yes. Has Sky started sniffing? Um, I, it is true, yeah, after the, the Bolt report. Um, they've got a new segment, uh, rant dog uh, tonight. Rant dog tonight <laughs> is going to be um, <laughs> Popping on there, and then on, then they put on Paul Murray afterwards. <laughs> he's been, he's at the sexy new time pip- slot of later. You, you, you pipped your, your. Well, he doesn't tell like it is, Matt. That's the problem <laughs> with Paul Murray. Um, he's yet to get angry with what the people are really interested in, and it's mm. none of these, you know, culture wars stuff going on. It's actual true blue Australian issues which need to be talked about. And that's what this segment is all about. We love you to send us a voice memo with something that's been really rubbing you the wrong way. Uh, We'll play that. And um, that is the match which lights the firework, which is Rant Dog. Yeah, these topics are like lamps, you know. Rub it the right way, a genie pops out, gives you three wishes. Rub it the wrong way, and you got yourself a very glory creature. Yes, instead of a blue, wise-cracking, smoky genie, you just get a clawed, brown, <laughs> whiskered, scabby, whiskered, feral, feral, just freakishly, garbage yeah. <laughs> real garbage rat. Oh, uh, you ain't is- never got a friend like <laughs> me. <laughs> but who needs friends when you've got Rant Dog on your side? And uh, Blaze from Perth does have Rant Dog on her side because she has an issue which she is incredibly passionate about. G'day, Matt. G'day, Alex. Blaze from Perth here. And I am absolutely furious about display blankets. What the hell is the purpose of a display blanket? Display cushions? Oh, I can't... Don't even get me started on display cushions. But honestly, if I wanted to have a blanket on a couch that I could only look at and not use, I would just flick through an IKEA catalogue for fun. Display blankets are pointless. They are difficult to fold. I can never put them back right. And I don't understand why you'd put something soft and cosy on a couch where people regularly sit if you can only look at it and not touch it. Display blankets are dumb. Case closed. Oh, step back. Blaze from Perth, thank you for finally telling it like it is. Okay? When I go to someone's house, Matt O'Connor, mm, okay, yeah. and look, it hasn't been that often in the last 12 months. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Well, before that as well, to be <laughs> honest. And look, it wasn't that frequently before <laughs> that either. 
But when I go along and I see one of these useless, mm. tasseled oh. abominations thrown over the couch, it is an absolute travesty that on a place where I'm meant to sit and make myself comfortable, mm. I have something which is not there to be touched. Because if, if you've tried messing up someone's couch blankie, you'll get nothing but scorn from these mm. people. Yeah, yep. You yep. need to leave it where it is. There's no wrapping it around you like a mummy. <laughs> and, you know, the worst part is because they're making it to look good it's made out of absolute crap. It feels oh, like a spider web on this thing. It's or so itchy. It's like a tarp <laughs> sitting on the couch. A tarpaulin. <laughs> More like an appaulin <laughs> is what I have to say. But let's just venture off the couch for a moment mm, here, Matt. Uh, let's go mm. into the bedroom. Ooh. Where the magic happens, is that they'd uh, say on cribs. Let's go where the magic happens. Because there's some dark magic that takes place in the bedroom with the worst display blankie of all. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? The top sheet. (laughs) The top sheet? The top sheet. Because it serves no purpose other than getting in people's way. Oh, wow. And I'm going to say that anyone... Who uses a top sheet? Wow! Should be banned from bedrooms for life. No, please watch what you're saying here. Oh, let's put down a straight jacket, <laughs> a st- sleep straight jacket. All right, which just clutters a bed Wait, and makes no. it absolutely unbearable to no, get through no. a night. Think about what you're saying, man. The top sheet is important because you sometimes Why? a doona a doona is too much. What do you mean? A doona is too much. What's what's the top sheet? You put down your fitted sheet, okay, that yep. goes over your mattress protector yeah. or whatever you've got. Yeah. Then for some reason, it's socially appropriate to put a top sheet on your bed. Yeah. And to that, yeah. I say well, no. Oh, no, mate. Fitted, you... then doona. Oh get your my. top sheets out. Throw them no. in the bin. They're absolutely no. useless. No, man, no. Think about what you're saying here, bro. This is going out to the world. Prove me wrong. Are you suggesting that we get rid of the the, the sheet, get the main sheet? Get rid of sheet? the top sheet for good. <laughs> Banish it. It's big cotton. The big Egyptian cotton industry who wants to double their profits by putting on a useless piece of sheet that you got to fold the top back to make the bed under your doona look good? Are you mad? <laughs> Is there something wrong? It's, a, it's so that you have something in between the doona and nothing. Why? Okay? Why? Because you because it's because sometimes you're not hot enough for a doona. You're not hot enough for nothing. And you're too cold. Oh, oh you cold never put a, a leg out of the doona, mate. You never put out a leg. You never taken it down below the nipples. Sometimes it's just it's. So I don't want half my body the right temperature. One leg in, one leg out. I'm, both sides are uncomfortable. Then. Well, the point is, Blaze from Perth brings it up. Any sort of display fabrics are an absolute waste of your time. And mine, we need to get rid of them. Let us know your thoughts. That's what Alex. What about these joints that have bloody 17 pillows on the 
on the bed. <laughs> tell you what, building a, a castle on the bed. You, you know, you got to climb. You got to go over a moat just to get get to the <laughs> good soft bit. If I wanted to have a stack every single day, Matt O'Kind, I'd probably pick up state skateboarding again. <laughs> all right, because I am sick. <laughs> These people who insist on putting on this superfluous Manchester. <laughs> Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. All day breakfast. Hey, Matt, how good are breakups? (laughs) (laughs) Why, have you got some news for me? (laughs) Don't you? Don't you just love them? Aren't they just the the best feeling? Is this the end of the podcast? What's going on? (laughs) No, I'm just bringing it up because our next guest has written a book surrounding breakups and that just absolutely awesome feeling that you can have. It's very difficult to sum up that feeling. Many people have tried, but often it's better to just see how other people are feeling and just know that you're not alone in your awfulness. And uh, (laughs) it's a pleasure to introduce Jesse Stevens, who has written a book called Heart Sick, all about it. Joining us now on Zoom. G'day, Jesse. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you, uh, Jesse. Aside from being the assistant head of content at Mamma Mia, you also host the uh, the Mamma Mia Out Loud podcast, and also one of my favourite podcasts is the Mamma Mia's True Crime Conversations, which I'm a big oh, fan of. So I've been listening to you, you quite a lot. Uh, but I'm very excited to read it uh, to to know that you've got a book out now. It is called Heartsick. It's all about breakups. So, Jesse, tell us where were you when all this uh, when this idea came came about. Look, a lot of people who have listened to true crime conversations are going to be disappointed that there's not a single murder in the whole book, so I will spoil it. There are no dead bodies. That might be the next book. Um, But in this one, it's a book I feel like I've been writing for a decade. I think for a lot of men and women in their 20s, um, heartbreak plagues them and sometimes it's something that happened five years ago. It can be someone you went on a few dates with and you never even really dated and then they ghosted you and it really haunts you and I felt as though there was nothing in our culture that really grappled with how much it hurt it can be a little bit you know almost made fun of and it's very pink and you go girl you'll get over it here's an inspirational quote plenty of fish in the sea and that didn't speak to me because I was broken Mm. and the it was the same with the men I was speaking to they weren't okay either And especially for men, I felt like there wasn't a vocabulary and there wasn't a ritual. You know how girls, you know, you're told to have some ice cream and to watch (laughs) Sex in the City. Men don't even have that, which is why I think in the wake of a breakup, men really struggle with their mental health and go into themselves because they've never been taught what they're meant to do. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And you just you just see these movies and you go, why aren't they using a bowl for that ice cream? Why is it in breakups? <laughs> you need to eat it directly from the tub. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and for those of us that are lactose intolerant, it doesn't help. <laughs> that much ice cream is not good for the gut. Well, well look, there are plant-based versions. But, Jesse, <laughs> uh, on more important notice, um, so tell, tell us about a particularly difficult breakup. What's the breakup that, you know, why, why was this breakup? 
so bad for you. Yeah, that you need to write a book about it. That's how yeah. bad this breakup was, Jesse. I mean, I found Guys. out my part. My 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 girlfriend at the time and my, my best friend were cheating on each other for with each oh. other. We were all living together. I mean, so I wrote a show about it. You know, the TV show, like all normal people <laughs> deal yes. with their breakups. You've written a book. What was the? I mean, what was the situation that was that was so kind of prompting of that? So one of the stories where the book actually starts is I got dumped when a partner of mine was going to Vegas and he wanted to have fun for two weeks. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to Vietnam. And so I went to Vietnam thinking I'd be fine. I was at an airport bookshop in tears going, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to enjoy this. And I had the whole holiday feeling as though it was devoid of colour and taste and fun the poor people I was travelling with, I was just a nightmare. And I don't know if you guys have done this, but you're sort of like you're somewhere and they take a photo of you and then you want to put it on Instagram and see if the person <laughs> likes it that dumped you to kind of get their attention. I was like, I think I need a really hot picture and then he'll want me back. He never wanted me back, as tends to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, when you're uh, curating the contents as yes. bait, really. <laughs> I might you as just well have take... tagged him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and go, hey, I'm here trying to look really hot through my tears. I'm in a bikini trying to look hot, but I'm also crying, which is not hot. Um, so that was that was one of them that sort of prompted it. But another was being ghosted by this guy I didn't see for that long and I write about it at the end and the feeling of seeing someone and getting the sense that they're, they don't really like you anymore and what that does to your mm. self-esteem. It's one thing being dumped. It's another spending time with someone who's off you and I reckon the latter is worse. It hurts. <laughs> and you just got to try so hard and that makes it worse. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? You try you, everything you like, do to win them back over it makes deters them more and yeah. more. <laughs> and you know you're supposed to be yourself, but you're sitting there going, I couldn't be le- further away from myself right now, but I'm trying to do everything right. Oh, it's, you're making me feel so <laughs> yes. yucked, You're Jessie. trying to be yourself, but then you're also like, okay, so it turns out they don't actually like me, so I might try to be a bit better. And you kind of try a new identity, which is just worse because they can see through it. And it's the most awful period. Like it actually haunts you. And it's like what doing it does, magic tricks for like a telephone yes. pole or something. It's just they're giving you nothing. <laughs> exactly. It's horrible. And it, what it does to your self-esteem, your sense of self, can take years to get over. Well, I'm really interested, Jesse, in hearing about the three people that you interviewed for this book and the three stories that you've told in this book. And it's the, they're their stories. They're real stories um, of these three people. Claire, Patrick and Anna, not their real names, but what 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 is it about each of their stories that you connected with and what, what did they go through? So the first person I found was Anna and Anna was 45, married for more than 20 years, um, loved her husband and has three kids, but had always had this uh, interest, I suppose, in their mutual best friend that she'd known her whole life. And in the book, she pursues it. And this is, you know, it's it's infidelity, but it's also a story that you can weirdly understand the more you look at it. And it's about 
the one that got away, I think, that story, which a lot of us have that person that sits in the back of our head. And then there is Claire who was in a same-sex relationship um, in uh, the UK and she comes back to Australia and it all starts to unravel. And that one is um, when you find something on your partner's phone, which I think a lot of us have had, and that moment just destroys you. Uh, And then the third is Patrick who didn't have a girlfriend before and met, met Caitlin and they um, end up getting very, very close uh, and that sort of unravels over the course of, of a few years. And mm. it's interesting with him because he uh, struggled to articulate it and, and struggled to speak to his mates about it um, and he's coming to terms with it now but it's a very interesting story. Yeah, I think there's never going to be a time where a breakup doesn't suck. But for yeah. writing Heartsick, Jesse, did you discover any ways to make it unsuck quicker? Great question. Honestly, <laughs> men are so articulate. I just, you're so uh, I use my words. I use them as best I can, Jesse. Um, I have thought about this a lot. I reckon the biggest one is you've got to let yourself feel it. You know those people who come out of a breakup and go on to a spree of just hooking up with people and going out and avoiding it. You might mask it by drinking too much or whatever. That just doesn't work. Like you've got to feel it. You've got to have a big cry. A lot of the people um, journaled and I think that did help because it helped them realise what was wrong with the relationship all along. And I also reckon that the discovery that this happens to everyone. I've got a line in there about how there are serial killers in jail with three girlfriends and yet Katy Perry gets dumped by Russell Brand. Like it doesn't make sense. It never makes sense. So the second you decide that this isn't about you, it's just that love can hit you like magic and sometimes it disappears, then I think that's quite a liberating feeling. And hopefully this book and conversations around it uh, you know, a step towards us having a bit of a ritual. I think that's it as well, is that birthdays and funerals, we have ritual around markers of time, but when a breakup ends, we don't actually know what we're meant to do tomorrow. So we throw out their things or we delete pictures of them from our Instagram, which mm-hmm. looks petty but is also sort of important. So I think designing some sort of ritual, if that is putting all their stuff in a box and putting it away, then that might be a really good thing. Yeah, look, it's such a great topic to be diving deep into and we're so glad that you've done that in your book, Heart Sick. It is out now, so please, uh, if you uh, want to know more about why you're feeling the way you're feeling uh, or you want to hear some incredible stories by three brutally honest and uh, in- incredible people, then check out Heart Sick by Jesse Stevens. Hey, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for having me, guys. In my bedroom over the weekend, Alex Dyson, just just catching like a, a book on the bookshelf. I saw on the bookshelf. Catching a so, book? Well, I just saw it with my eyes. I was like, oh, I just noticed a book. It's a book called 700 Sundays. It's by Billy Crystal. Okay. It's all about his, um, you know, the weekends he used to spend with his dad, I think, before he passed away. Anyways. Right. Great book, apparently. The <laughs> thing is, I've never read it because... I actually borrowed it from a comedian 
called David Smeet. Okay. Tommy, so great I book. Borrowed, borrowed it from a comedian. His name was Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's their fresh manuscript straight out the typewriter. <laughs> um, and I have never read it. And I've never given it back either. It's just been sitting on my bookshelf for what would have to be at least 10 years now. Have you ever borrowed anything that you've not given back? Yeah, book. Again, again um, borrowed Travis's, Travis Owen's um, high school friend's Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Never, never got it back to him. <laughs> still sitting there. You still um, got it. Still got it. Um, but that's the th- yeah, that's the thing. Like you borrow it, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. It's like, can you just give it back to them? We're just like, you know what? I never, I never even got around to the reading this. Here you go, have it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's lucky that friends are a bit nicer than uh, the old video stores. All right, because I remember I used to work at a video store, Alex Dyson, and uh, I tell you what. Those late fees. I mean, we would we would come down on people like an like a like a iron fist. Yep. All right. Anyone? Can anyone drops a, a single day late? Not that's an extra six dollars, buddy. Did you have the uh, no rewind fee as well? Well, now you're really <laughs> going back because I started in the video store in 2003, and there was you had two dual rewinders there. All right, dual rewind machine specifically. You get the VHS, you open it up, you check if it's rewound. If it's not, you put it in the machine. And there's just these machines, it's just, their job is just rewinding. <laughs> All right. So whoever's made these machines, whoever manufactured these machines, <laughs> Lord knows what they did, what they've been doing for the past 20 years, okay? Because yeah. I haven't seen many machines like them since. But... um. Oh, and the other one is when I used to work at the video store, then DVD came along, came along and, and the, the joke would always be that the person would hand the DVD back and go, oops, forgot to rewind it. Oh, ha, <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. But it's all, it's all coming back to me now, Alex Dyson. It's all coming back to me now because an American woman, Karen McBride, Right, um, have borrowed a copy of the cult TV classic Sabrina the Teenage Witch on VHS. Right. That's yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty handy from an Oklahoma video store. March two thousand and two. This happened. Okay, now, unbeknownst to her, has now spent years as a wanted felon for felony embezzlement because she didn't return the the VHS. Really. Yes, I didn't know there's a criminal thing. Criminal? I, I mean, didn't, I didn't think you could bring in the cops for this. Well, I mean, I remember someone I knew got a call from the debt collectors once about you know not paying their overdue fees from mm. the the local blockbuster that closed down you know five years ago or whatever. Yep. But no one said that the the you know the cops are getting involved on this. <laughs> You're gonna go to get and go sent to the slammer for it. So how did she? How did she find out that? She was wanted. The police come around to her place or something. Yeah, some some thirty year old man like knocks on a door like, "Oh, I was supposed to get Sabrina after you," and um, <laughs> and it never happened. Um, no, she only found out she was a wanted felon because she went to change the name on her license. Okay, after getting married, and then while she was changing her name, they were told, "Oh, you can't do that. You can't just change your name because you've got a criminal record." And she's like, "What?" And then they're like, yeah, because you, you kept this episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But she reckons she doesn't even like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Can't even <laughs> remember borrowing the 
the VHS or why she borrowed it in the first place. It's sort of just been sitting in her lounge room and now she's got a criminal record about it. And she also reckons that she's been let go of several jobs because they've found out about her criminal record all for <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch. They do a background check and it says that she's got um, felony embezzlement and she's like, oh, we better get rid of her, not realising it was because she had an overdue Sabrina the Teenage Witch video. Yes. Well, I've got a little bit of sympathy for Karen McBride. Oh, why? Matt O'Kine. 2007, all right, first semester of university. Alex Dyson moved up from Warrnambool to the Big Smoke, all right, attending Melbourne University. One of the projects we've got to do on cinema studies in order to introduce you to the library is you go down, you get one of the books, you know, the reference books on two-hour loan, right, sit there, do your research, put them back, and then write your essay, use them, cite the Oxford method or whatever. So I'm down there, grab my book, thank you, I'll take that, beep, beep, do my essay, pop it back on the shelf, going back home. Later that night, on my student portal, right, got big red letters popping up. Uh Uh-oh. Negative letters. I've got an overdue library book, okay? Mm. I'm like, hang on a second, I I put it back. I put it back where I got it from. Yeah, that was the issue because it didn't get scanned back in because I put it on the shelf, right? Why did you put it on the shelf? Everyone knows you scan it back well, in the Well, because I didn't leave the library. So I'm just in the library. I grab it off the shelf. I do my thing and I put it back on the shelf. It's in the one thing. It's in the <laughs> building. I didn't leave the building. <laughs> I don't, the fact they've got two-hour loan is ridiculous in the first place. <laughs> So it's night time at this stage. The library's shut. I can't go back in. By the time I go back, I'm like, you have the book. It's there in its position. The old Dewey just decibel system, right? They're like, oh, sorry. Sure. And I'm like, well, can you, you know, do something about the fine? They're like, no, sorry. We can waive fines under $15. Yours is now a $25 fine. And so, no, you have to pay that. Do you think I paid it? Oh, no. am I talking to a... Am I talking to a criminal right now? Well, no, because end of first semester comes out. Everyone's excitedly around the computer getting their results. I log in. We're very sorry. We cannot give you your results. You have an overdue library book fee, (laughs) so we're not going to tell you what your results were for first semester. (laughs) Do you think I paid it then? No. (laughs) Totally unfair. So I didn't pay it. And it was only a few months later when my dad gets a letter back at home saying... You're going to have your enrolment suspended if you don't pay this. And I eventually fronted up, <laughs> gave him the 25 bucks and oh, said, you're you a did. joke. You, you caved. I caved. Oh, wow. Buckling to the man. Well, there was certainly no N in your name back then, was there, mate? Oh, I was a weak, <laughs> weak-willed individual. You, All you it took was a, was a letter <laughs> threatening to kick me out of uni because of a $25... Um, overdue library book that never left the library. Those absolute mongrels. You were but a, a wrinkly little baby mouse back then. <laughs> Hardly the the was, fierce rat dog that you were earlier in this episode. Yeah, I was a I was a naked mole rat. There was no <laughs> doubt about it. There was no doubt about it. Whimpering with you twenty, paying you twenty five dollars. Was it worth getting your marks? Oh, they were awful. No, I shouldn't have looked. <laughs> I shouldn't, shouldn't have looked at them. <laughs> Anyway, if you've ever had anything overdue, let us know. That's what I did, Alex. Oh, and then later on, Melbourne University got the absolute cheek to ring me up. 
ring me up and go, oh, can you tell everyone how good the beauty is? And I was still furious at this <laughs> first year library Dude, fiasco. don't get me I'm started. Like, I've been wanting to talk about this for ages. <laughs> I'm so annoyed that Brisbane State High left me out of their, like, top alumni article in the Korea Mail. I am so angry with them. And then I get a call well, from their, I was their, put like, in when I didn't want to be. You were left out and you wanted to be. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Sylvia Jeffries is in there. Bloody, all these people are in there. And I'm like... Yo, where? Why am I not in this? Don't you care about comedy for Christ's sake? Well, have you checked? Do you have an overdue book? Is that why well, they left you? Maybe out? that's it. And then, like, yeah, then they called me up and they're like, "Hey, can you contribute to some past students thing?" And I was Fun, like, "Oh, yeah. sorry, I'm too busy." And in my head, I was like, "I don't like you, and I'm very angry <laughs> with you right now, school. So you won't be getting any photos or little." Little messages from me for a little while until you apologize. In fact, in fact, Uh-oh. listen up, Uh-oh. state high, okay. listen up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the outro music because <laughs> if you want, I'm putting it out there right now. Okay, if 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 we're gonna continue a relationship, Brisbane State High. Okay, you either amend the Courier Mail article <laughs> and put me in it. Or you get you come on this podcast right here, right now, and you apologize <laughs> for forgetting about me, all right? The Bellu Library from Melbourne Uni, I want my $25 back <laughs> with interest. With 13 years interest, please, on that. Um, but anyway, uh, saving that, please come along to Matt and Alex. The live first birthday extravaganza happening at Company Republic next week. Um, you can jump through the link on our Instagram, go to the Company Republic website, but um, it is happening and we would love to see you in person. Your beautiful, beautiful faces. It would be an absolute treat. Uh, it should be heaps of fun. I'm so angry with State High still. I wish you hadn't brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> absolute well, crumbs, man. I can't believe them. Oh, do you want to stay signed up to the alumni? It's only 260. No! No! <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Plenty of rants on today's show. Uh, it'll be a nice, wholesome one tomorrow, I am sure. Until then, hope you have a good one. We'll catch you very, very soon. Bye-bye. That's it. The all-day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got a story we need to hear? All the links are at mattandalex.com.au. Listener.